Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, this is Deborah Francis-White. Now, this is the first of our amazing Secret Policeman tour shows, which we are giving you a little taste of podcast of. Tickets are on sale now for the second one, which will be in Edinburgh at the Playhouse on the 24th of August. Go to atgtickets.com. Thanks to everyone at the Hackney Empire and at Amnesty International who worked so hard on this show. This is only a sampler, so if you didn't come on the night, you've missed some incredible acts. And we want to say a big thank you to all of them too. That's Kima Bob, Sophie Duker, Siobhan McSweeney, John Luke Roberts, and Rachel Bloom. And now, welcome to the Hackney Empire. Good evening, everybody. And welcome to the Secret Policeman's Tour at Hackney Empire. Please welcome to the stage your host for this evening, Amnesty Ambassador, Deborah Francis-White. so wonderful to have a full house for this, our first Secret Policeman's Tour. And if any bill deserved a full house, it's this bill that we've got for you tonight. We've got comedy. We've got music. We've got sketches that are archived. And we've brought them out of mothballs and we've given them a contemporary twist. We've got human rights ambassadors. And we've got stuff for you to do to start... Come on now. Human rights isn't all just laughing in the dark at professional comics. That's right, you're gonna get involved. Are you ready to give some truth to some power? <laughs> well, I'm so excited to present this to you. This is just such a huge, huge deal. We are now in a landscape where people like you can support uh, things like the guilty feminist, which is so exciting. Um, now, some of you may know me from the guilty feminist. Um, thank you. Uh, some of you may not know The Guilty Feminist. If you don't know The Guilty Feminist, give me a cheer. Okay, see how those cheers sounded less empowered. <laughs> less certain, less feminist, if you will. But don't worry, by the time you leave here tonight, your cheers will have just as much human rights defending oomph 
as everybody else's, it's not a cult. Lock the doors. It's not a cult. It's not a cult. Some of you may not know me from The Guilty Feminist. Some of you may know me because I was recently a stylist magazine cover girl. <laughs> I know, I didn't see that coming and neither did you. Uh, it is true. But I went for the shoot and I did say, will I get to choose the photograph that you use for the front cover of the magazine? And the photographer, Dave, he went, no, not even Michelle Obama got to choose her photo. She didn't even get to see it before it came on the front cover of the magazine. And I thought, well, if Michelle Obama didn't get to choose her photo, I'm getting fucking nothing. So I didn't ask again. But then when they sent me the article, because I had to proofread it because I'd written it, they put photos on the page. And and um, they really hadn't photoshopped them much at all. <laughs> and it was only then that I realised the part I was looking forward to most was sitting with other women in comedy going, isn't it awful the way they photoshop you, but there's nothing you can do. <laughs> I mean, even Michelle Obama didn't get a say, so there's nothing you can do. Look, they've taken away all the character from around my eyes, all my wisdom, but there's nothing you can do. <laughs> nothing. Uh, but they really hadn't photoshopped me much at all. Um, and I thought, well, they must have thought she's a feminist. She won't want that. <laughs> Accurately. <laughs> and I thought, I can't write in as a feminist and say, can I have more photoshop? Can you? Can I, you, can't, you can't, as a feminist, ask for more photoshop. You can't, as a feminist, you can't, as a feminist, ask for more photoshop. You can't, I did. <laughs> Took me a long time to compose that email, though. I don't mind telling you. <laughs> Took me a long time to work that out. Longer than to write my whole fucking book. You've got to be careful with that, but I think you'll agree. I played a blinder. I wrote, Dear Sarah, love the photos, love the photos, love the photos, love the photos, love the photos. Um, now, I would, like there, I would like there to be no Photoshop at all for women in magazines. I would like it to be banned. But as it's not going to be this week, I would like equality of opportunity, because if you think about it, equality is the bedrock of feminism. And I know somebody's got to go first and say no Photoshop for me, and that person, that somebody, should be a very young, hot model. And perhaps she could give me her Photoshop and I could have extra, which would be the socialism of magazines. <laughs> and she wrote back and said, no, 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 you've misunderstood. This is just a layout, it's just a mock-up. Your photos haven't been Photoshopped yet at all. And I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Couldn't have been more relieved not to have been touched up on public transport. <laughs> And then I got a one-line email, I can show it to you, this is true, from the photographer Dave. And he just said, <laughs> he just said, don't worry, love. By the time I'm finished with you, you'll just be a pair of cheekbones and a dress. Yes! <laughs> and I was. But there's nothing you can do. <laughs> just want to say happy Eid to anybody who is finishing observing Ramadan today. Just give us a big cheer if you've observed Ramadan. Yes! You have? I hope you've brought a roast in, a vegan roast, because it's not sundown yet, but when it is, you will need to hoe into that. So if you just have a picnic basket under your chair and you just start eating rapidly, nobody will mind. Nobody will mind. I actually live uh, with a, a man from Syria called Steve Ali, um, and he does not keep Ramadan, but he does demand money at Eid. And before you judge him, ask yourself, did you give up anything for Lent before you stuffed yourself with chocolate eggs? No, you didn't. Don't be such a fucking hypocrite. <laughs> mm, you're not doing Ramadan. Why not? Mm. Now, I live with Steve Alley. He is, in fact, a Syrian refugee. Uh, some of you will have heard me talk about him on the podcast. For those of you who do not know, Steve Alley, I have to declare now, is the best-looking man I've ever seen in real life. And I have to tell you that only for this reason. When he first moved in with my husband and me into our spare room, so many of my friends were like, I have heard you have taken in a Syrian refugee and you are such a humanitarian. No, no, you live your values. You, you walk the walk. No. And then they'd meet him and go, oh, fuck off. <laughs> fair play, fair play. Um, Steve's an incredible guy, and I, I have w learned so much about uh, how refugees, some refugees anyway, become incredibly capable because of displacement. One example of this is one day I took Steve uh, to hot yoga in Primrose Hill because his life has changed quite a lot since he moved in with me. <laughs> and there was a heated panel above our heads that heat the room, and one of them just burst into flames. And all of us, all of the British North London yoga people, just ran to the walls screaming. And Steve, 
who had been a firefighter in the Calais jungle while he was living there, just picked up a towel off the floor, jumped to the ceiling like a basketball player, and punched the fire out. (laughs) He punched a fire in the face. And that didn't do anything to help the sex appeal issue. I'm telling you that for nothing. I am Steve's most valuable player because I see him very much as a grown-up son. I'm basically Mrs. Bennett. When anyone comes in, I just look at them. I'm like, I know what you're thinking. Do you have 20,000 a year and a house in the country? Uh, But Steve, he got his papers and I saw somebody who had lost his human rights for six years get them back. And I tell you, Thinking about the show tonight, it is a remarkable thing because Steve was living a pretty middle-class life. He was doing an architecture degree at the University of Damascus. Um, he was into fashion. He was into bodybuilding. And um, when the war came along and it was clear he was going to get rounded up and put into service, he said, it's not what was going to happen to me. It was what I was going to be expected to do to other Syrians that I couldn't handle. And he left. And he was displaced for six years. And he came to live with me when he was still waiting for his papers. And... I saw it happen because he got this uh, form through because he was meant to be living in a dorm in Bolton and uh, he thought his papers had come through so he jumped on National Express and I thought, I don't know that they have and I was really nervous and I messaged him and said, did you get them? And he said, oh, unfortunately, I'm going to be living with you for longer because I've got my papers. He judges housed me from X Factor (laughs) with his papers. He did a fucking Simon Cowell. And Steve started a silversmith business. He learned to be a silversmith in the Calais jungle. And he started making necklaces for the guilty feminist. And his business became quite big. And nine months to the day after he got his papers, he said to me very proudly, this is the first day I am able, because of the Christmas rush, to employ a British person for £10 an hour. And I was really touched by it. And, you know, I thought about what the tabloids say about refugees. And... They say, you know, they come here and they take our resources. And, you know, to a certain extent, when we're liberal people, oh, but it's true, that is true. When Steve first turned up, he didn't have anything. And he got 36 quid a week from the government and a, and a bed in a dorm in Bolton and, you know, a little bit of help. It's true. Refugees do, for a little while, draw on the resources of your country. But within nine months, he was employing a British person to come into my spare room and help him for £10 an hour. And taking in refugees and immigrants is one way to grow your population and grow your workforce. The other way is babies. And I'm going to put it to you right now. Who's your nine-month-old baby employing? (laughs) How's its English as a first language course going? What the fuck can it say? Mama? Dada? Because Steve knows the difference between infer and imply. And you don't. Not really. You're not absolutely sure. Not 100%. Now, like refugees, babies have found their home to be inhospitable at short notice. And they have been evicted into a strange land where they don't speak the language and everything's very, very confusing and they need to be looked after for a while. But it takes the average baby 18 years to get going. (laughs) And for a lot of that time, I mean, really, they are sucking on those resources. (laughs) Steve's been in the country two years now. If he behaved in a supermarket the way a two-year-old I saw this morning behaving at Sainsbury's, he'd be deported. And what I'm saying to you is babies are shit refugees. <laughs> and refugees are better than babies. And when the Daily Mail find out what scrounges babies are, they're going to have a fucking field day. <laughs> We've got some incredible acts for you tonight. <laughs> you are in for a treat. Our first act is a regular on the Guilty Feminist podcast. She worked tirelessly to repeal the eight. <laughs> And she succeeded. I'm going to say, because I'm bringing her on single-handedly. She taught me so much about it on the podcast. She is the one, the only, the magnificent Alison Spitter! Beautiful. I won't lie, I'm very nervous to be here. 
And I was thinking, Alison, why are you so nervous? Like, it's just a gig. But then I remembered, as an Irish person, uh, it's always very good to be nervous within the empire, you know? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> Uh, oh, guys, I'm so excited. Um, I have been very inspired by a lady lately, uh, Charlotte Church. Um, <laughs> Charlotte Church is a big inspiration to me. She's given up alcohol, right, due to a condition that she calls anxiety, right? Now, that's a combination of hangover and anxiety. Now, that is a very good reason to give up alcohol. I've given up alcohol due to a very similar reason. I've given up alcohol due to a condition that I call hangaria. <laughs> so. mm. yeah. I live to give guys, just give them the word out, right? Uh, and uh, a man came up to me a few weeks ago, right? And he said to me, what condition is it? And I was like, what? And he said, well, you know, there's two conditions with the E a sound at the end of it. <laughs> I like that, because some of you are just getting it now. <laughs> and that's good, you've never suffered, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I said to him, well, whichever condition <laughs> makes me more attractive, baby. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's been good. Back home, so I've moved to London uh, from Ireland, and uh, I'm happy, but I'm like sad as well. Like you know, Irish people are great crack, uh, but like you are too. Uh, but <laughs> sorry, but in Ireland we can give each other eye contact. It's beautiful. <laughs> oh. <laughs> One of the things is like, uh, one of the things before I left Ireland was I went on this uh, TV show, right? And the producer said to me, it's called Big Week on the Farm, right? And he said to me, Alison, think of Top Gear, okay? Except agricultural, right? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm sold. <laughs> so, so I said, yeah, I'll go on it, right? And what it was, was uh, they had to get a person to milk a cow for a full minute and the person with the most milk at the end of the week wins the Golden Udder Award, right? Um, which was basically an inflated marigold, right? Spray-painted gold. That's the quality of Irish television you have there, right? And uh, the thing was, uh, the guy was showing me how to milk a cow, and I was sitting there on a little stool looking at the guy demonstrating how to milk a cow. So he's like, so you grab at the shaft, and you pull up, and you pull down, you pull up, and you pull down, until some liquid squirts out, right? And I was looking at him, and all of a sudden I became very shy and very coy because I realised what milking a cow looks like. It looks like wanking, right? I mean, I'm ex-Catholic, but I'm so still residually Catholic that I still whisper the word fingers. Like, <laughs> do you know? So I, I wasn't sure whether I wanted to do this, but, like, I was there, so... Uh, what I did, right, instead of like milking the cow the way he showed me, was I just poked the cow in the teeth, right? <laughs> a few times and apologized to it, right? <laughs> I was very disappointed in myself because I'm quite competitive and that got me no milk, right? And also, it did give away my technique to the nation. <laughs> um, you might not achieve a full orgasm with me, but by God, you'll get a sincere apology. <laughs> Uh, that is my promise. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Do you know what's weird uh, about, about being Irish and ex-Catholic is that, like, I don't miss the human rights abuses that they did, right? <laughs> Look it up. Um, <laughs> you want a bit of fun but what I do miss is like uh, lighting a candle right so if someone had an exam or something like that or an MOT you'd light a candle for them you know to wish them good luck right I miss doing a scratch card and asking God to help um, and the other thing right I now because I'm an atheist I still do light the candle right? Uh, but I don't no longer ask God. I just light a Joe Malone candle for a person <laughs> because it's fiscally more expensive and means more. Um, guys, you've been so lovely. I'll see you later. Bye!
and make incredible woohooing secret policemen Amnesty International guilty feminists welcoming noises for the wonderful Thank you, thank you. How you guys doing? You good? Yeah? You guys ready for the um, sausage part of the show? Good stuff. I always have to introduce myself when I do these things because I got one of those names, you know? My name's Fumbi Omotayo. Yeah, that's my real name. <laughs> I'm a Nigerian Brit. That's how I describe myself, you know? Which basically means I was born in England to Nigerian parents, so I'm staying. <laughs> Little Brexit joke. I've got a traditional Nigerian name, that's what it is, you know, Fumbi Omotayo. So you can imagine a name like that in school in England. <laughs> I got picked on a lot. I got called a lot of names, you know, but it wasn't so much like name calling, it was more like name suggestions. Like, have you tried Richard? <laughs> It'll make our lives easier. Every time I get to a comedy show in London, I can see the look of frustration on the compare's face at the prospect of saying my name, you know? <laughs> I got to one show, this guy was very clever, yeah. Oh, he just got the crowd really hyped and said my name over the noise. <laughs> he was like, gonna love this next comedian, start the clapping, start the cheer, make some noise and lovely. Why? I'm in the back, like, that sounded close. I used to get really offended, though, you know, if people couldn't pronounce my name, if they couldn't spell it properly, yeah. It used to really piss me off. And then the Eastern Europeans came to London and I realized <laughs> some names are hard to pronounce. I'm staring at their names like, Mr. I, I, have you tried Richard? <laughs> It'll make my life easier. <laughs> but there's benefits to having a traditional Nigerian name like mine. There's benefits involved, yeah. Because of my driver's license, my full name, my full Nigerian name is Oluwafumbi Adedeji Omotayo. Yeah, I know, right? That's my name on my driver's license. <laughs> to most Nigerians, it's a pretty standard name, you know? But to everyone else, that shit is like a Wi-Fi password. It's just... <laughs> It's too many characters. <laughs> but there's benefits to having a name like that. So my driver's license. I'm one of the only black guys in London who looks forward to being stopped by police. Oh, that's a moment I treasure. Because <laughs> they can't pronounce that shit, right? They just stare at you for hours like... <laughs> just keep the music down, please. Uh... And it's well documented, you know at the relationship between black people and the police. It's a bit of a turbulent one, isn't it? Yeah. But I had a moment with the London Met, yes. I had a moment with the police, because I had a flat tire, right? And the police pulled up. At first I'm thinking, oh my God, <laughs> I really hope they don't think I'm trying to steal this tire right now. <laughs> That's not why we're here, you know? But they were very helpful, yeah. They're like, do you need some help, sir? I said, yes, please and they helped me change the tire. We had a moment, you know? <laughs> but just as they were about to leave, one of the officers just had to ruin it, right? Because I was like, hey guys, thank you so much. And he said, yeah, tell your friends we're not all that bad. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> How about you tell your friends we're not all that bad? <laughs> Like, I was so upset because he ruined the moment, right? I wanted to give this officer a piece of my mind, but I didn't have insurance, so I said, yeah, I'll pass that message. I'll pass that message on, you know. Tell my friends the good news, I'll do that. Because people don't believe you when you talk about the police. People ask me all the time, have you been stopped by police? I'm like, yeah, fam. I got stopped during a driving lesson once. He was like, pull over. I said, it's my first lesson. I don't know how to do that. I'm trying to find a biting point right now. 
That's all we've covered today. I'm from London, I'm actually from Hackney, so I actually walked to this gig. <laughs> yeah, man. Hackney's changed so much now, boy. Yeah, it's gentrified now, isn't it? Yeah, we've got designer outlets now, fashion boutiques. I walk around Hackney now, man, I think to myself, man, we need another riot. I'll get some good shit this time, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's gentrified. You come to Hackney now, you see a lot of white people walking around freely. It's beautiful. I came out the station the other day in Hackney, this white guy offers me drugs. <laughs> it threw me off completely. And he just came out with it. Hey, bruv, you wanna buy some weed? <laughs> I got really offended, right? Because I was looking at him like, look at these white boys coming into our neighborhoods, taking our jobs. You guys have been wonderful, man. Have a good night. God bless you. Thank you. In 2016, this amazing comedian and human rights defender created and performed her wobbly manifesto in which she explores how humanity, i.e. us, have chosen to handle or not disability over the decades. She invites us to consider how embracing diversity as normal could revolutionize the world we live in. Joining us on the sofa is a wonderful and much beloved presenter and broadcaster. Please welcome to the stage the incredible Francesca Martinez and the wonderful Connie Huck. Yeah. Um, so, Francesca, tell us a little bit about why you think that people are scared of difference. Well, I think we live in a culture that demonizes difference. So I was born into a world which told me I was abnormal. And so when I was about one, my parents took me to a very high-up consultant. And he told them that I would be wobbly and I would never lead a normal life. And I was like, what's a normal life? I, I don't want a normal life, I want a fucking amazing life. <laughs> so I think culture makes us feel different. And I think if you look at the world we live in, which is a very consumer-based culture, Consumerism really thrives on making us believe that we're not good enough as we are, so we'll go out and buy shit we don't need. So I think when you see through that lie, you can look at yourself and say, every one of us is different. We all have things we can't do. And, and I felt like I'm not broken or wobbly or disabled. I'm just Francesca. And I really believe that Accepting yourself as you are is an act of civil disobedience. That is so true. And backstage, Connie, you were talking about how it's really the power structures and how what disables us. Yeah, it's their limitations, not the limitations of the person with the disability. Because the power structures don't create stuff to make everything inclusive. And everyone in here is a minority. We're all minorities, whether it's like, I don't know, you're a minority because you're a train spotter or whatever. But the way, yeah, or just, I don't know, having an just one example you're a minority because you like that top that you're wearing. No, it's a lovely top. But the point is, <laughs> there are so many different minorities and we've all got that situation where we're a minority and a majority, whether it's you're in a place where you don't quite fit in because everyone's a wanker, or whether you're in a place where, I don't know, you're short, you know, growing up, I was always the shortest kid in the class, whatever. That in itself could be a disability, but the point is, it's the minorities that make up the majority, which makes the brilliant, diverse melting pot that is society. So actually, minority is a bit of a non-word. I, I think the problem comes from defining some people as normal and some as abnormal. I don't know about you, but I've never met a normal person. 
But I often think, because over half the population is female or non-binary, and then of men, there are queer men and there are disabled yeah. men. So actually, a white, straight, non-disabled cis man is a minority. And it's great that that minority is represented so well on the television. <laughs> But it would be good to see some of the other minorities as well. But it is a funny thing. We tend to think of that as the majority experience, well, not the majority experience. Even the, the label, the minority majority, I just think we're all human beings, okay? And as far as we know, we're the only human beings in the entire universe. So it, in that respect, we're all a bit freakish, aren't we? <laughs> so I want to say, you know what? Every human being is valuable. Every human being deserves to lead a fulfilling life that is full of joy and that they can grow and they can fulfill all their talents. And I just feel that so many people in this world don't get that opportunity because we're so busy telling each other that there's a normal way to be and an abnormal way to be. And I would just say, fuck that, we need a bobbly revolution now. <laughs> How can we be an ally? We're human rights defenders in this room. That's why we've come together tonight. How can we ally? How can we be better aware and better defenders of the human rights of those who will be uh, seen by society as disabled? Well, number one, I would say that anyone in this room can become disabled at any time. Mm. This is a potentially a situation that could happen to anybody. Number two, I would say we need to realise that diversity is natural and normal. And we've created a culture a kind of monoculture that is obsessed with conformity and that is obsessed with aspiring to be a very narrow kind of image of a human being. So I think we really need to question that unhealthy value system. Like a lot of people think that if you're born different, you suffer more. Now, there's a word for this, and I learned it recently, and that word is bollocks. <laughs> I mean, bollocks, because, you know, any suffering I've had in my life has not come from being wobbly, it's come from living in a world that can't handle difference. So, I guess the one thing... <laughs> the one... The one kind of message that I want to convey is that diversity is life. Without diversity, we wouldn't have evolution, we wouldn't have human beings, and yet we've created a culture that makes us fear diversity. Now, we need to reject that negative framing and realise that diversity is wonderful and beautiful, and we need to embrace it in ourselves and each other. By Francesca Martinez's book, What the Fuck is Normal? We all need it. Where can we get your book? From a tax-paying bookshop. <laughs> Excellent. And Connie Hart, while we're on that, you have a book for children, which is also about embracing diversity. It what is, is that book? That book is called Cookie and the Most Annoying Boy in the World. But it's stealth woke, I like to call it. Yeah, so, well, you need that for children, stealth yes, woke. Yes, So exactly. you, if you've got kids or you know a child, if you want uh, to, if you feel ever, if you've ever felt different or you uh, aspire to be more inclusive in your human rights, Go and get What the Fuck is Normal by Francesca Martinez. That's not stealth woke. That's fuck off fucking woke. <laughs> Thank you so much, Connie Huck and Francesca Martinez. Thank you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This next act is another one of my favorite guilty feminists. She is a regular on the podcast. She is a true human rights defender. She is a magnificent stand-up comedian. Put your hands together and make incredible woohooing, welcoming noises for the wonderful Sindhu V. <laughs> So here's the thing. Someone said, I've been on tour, and someone said to me, well, you know, you're not, you should do more political material. And I said, why? And they said, well, you're a brown woman. I'm like, why can't brown women just, like, care about their own shit, you know? <laughs> why do I have to care, you know? Like, I have a passport. I give a shit. You know what I mean? So, um, but then I think it's unfair, because I was like, I do political material. And they were like, oh, people don't think so. So for this set, I'm only going to do Brexit jokes. <laughs> All right? Okay. We'll start with the first one. It's, did someone say boo? I know, we hate Brexit, but hey. Um, people always say stand-up is what gets you through dark times. Thank you. Here you go. All right. So I was... Okay, so this year I've been married 20 years. And thank you. Thank you. And I was meeting with a very dear friend to decide what we should do or what I should do, you know, like, and of course she had to have an opinion because she's a good girlfriend of mine. Uh, and I was like, what should I do? You know, because I want to surprise my husband, all that stuff. And so we agreed to have a coffee. She's very busy. I'm very busy. We finally agreed to have a coffee. Like, she's a really good friend, you know, like, it's not a topic you could just discuss with any good friend because I'm going to do what she says and my husband's probably not going to like it, but I'm going to defend her. So, you know, she's that kind of good friend, you know, like no matter where you are at in your life, do you have friends like that? No matter where you are in your life, she's there for you. You know, like you can be like, oh, I missed the train. And she'll be like, oh yeah, trains are stupid. Fuck the train. You know? Yeah. And then, and then you're like, yeah, yeah. But you know, cause I was wanking in the shower. She's like, oh, fuck the train. You know what I mean? Like that kind of good friend will keep up with you no matter where you are at. So, um, so, I, so I said, let's have a coffee. But this very good friend did one very, uh, wrong thing. She showed up to the coffee with an acquaintance of hers who's her sister's friend who was staying with her that week. Should you have done this? No. I was like, who is this bitch? I mean, what? Frankly, I don't even like how she looks. Why is she here? And my friend was like, why are you whispering? She's standing right there. Anyway, so we're talking. I have to put up with this woman. Anyway, this woman, this acquaintance, has the gumption to pipe up in the middle of what we're discussing and say to me, it's really interesting that you've been married a long time, but like, are you in a progressive marriage? <laughs> I was like, what? She said, are you in a progressive marriage? I'm like, what is that even? Like, I don't even know what that is. I'm in an intact marriage, you know? Like, just trying to get to the end somehow. Anyway. And, uh, <laughs> and what she said was, well, a progressive marriage, for example, have you and your husband discussed, even in principle, an open marriage? <laughs> so I looked at her and I said, open marriage? I said, listen, man, I'm not in that kind of situation, right? I am in a marriage means marriage kind of situation. <laughs> you know, marriage means marriage very tight border controls, 
<laughs> Thank you. Very tight border controls, a lot of complaining and criticizing, but nothing has ever changed because nobody has a plan B. Yes? And, and thirdly, inexplicably expensive to get out of. So, don't talk to me about open marriage. Um, as you can tell, I'm a very political comic. Uh, thank you so much for supporting this evening and see you later, thanks. Our next speaker is an award-winning human rights defender overhauling the civil service's attitude to trans inclusion and working with institutions like Mind, Stonewall and Time's Up UK. They were named one of BuzzFeed's top LGBT Brits. Please welcome the incredible Maria Menea. I haven't even started yet. Uh, hello, Hackney Empire. Yeah, Empire, because uh, gentrification, we love that, because let's be honest, you're probably not all from Hackney, are you? But it's all right, neither am I. Now, every day, right, we're told that as minorities, we are fighting other minorities for space, but our only enemy is the patriarchy. We live in a world where Trump is elected for assaulting women, Bolsonaro is elected for wanting queer people dead, and Modi is elected for murderous hatred of Muslims like me. Well, time's up, folks. We won't let this thing run. But the point is that I'm not scared, right? I'm not scared of turfs because they all always look like they're going to the Lake District, and that's not scary. Um... I'm not scared of white men, even though they respect GDPR more than they respect me. Um, But there is hope. And that hope is with us in this very room. The world is changing, even if it doesn't always feel like it. Like in 2004, our Gender Recognition Act was considered world-leading, right? World-leading. It was lauded across the world. And now it's not fit for purpose. But tens of thousands of us, some of whom I'm sure are in this very room today, told the government just as much last year. And now we wait for action. We have to keep the pressure up on the government. See, the thing is about today is that we're all sat here. We're all feeling very comfortable in our bubble. But the problem is that the people out there, that's not what they're hearing. That's not what they're getting. At the moment, the whole system is designed to suppress our voices. So even when we play that game that we're told will help us get success, will help us, democracy is great. Like if you get into democracy, you get elected, your voice can change anything. But the truth is, that is not how it works. And that is exactly why we need to build a movement. And there's still so much to do. And that's exactly why every single one of us here today can should and must be a human rights defender. And and it sounds scary, like three words, human rights defender. Like, it's not that cool to care about human rights, apparently. Well, no, Felicia, but if you were in my circles, it'd be totally different. There are so many things we can do, like amplify trans voices. So I'm here today, but did you know there are other trans people in the world? Shock, horror. We're not just in your bathrooms. We're also in your places of work. It's wild. Um, but you can, you can do loads of things. You can follow our work instead of replicating it without credit. And don't just employ us. Elect us. And if you want to help the future of LGBTQIA plus rights, if you want to help queer people of color, if you want to help disabled young people like me, 
You should join the Amnesty Rainbow Network, actually. It's a cool little club that I'm part of. You might not have heard of it, but I'm going to tell you about it now. We do so many cool things. You know, like the trans rights campaign that Amnesty is doing? We help spearhead that. And we need your voices to help continue to build that movement that is so sorely needed in this country at this time of divisive rhetoric where we are pitted against one another and told that there is not enough space for us all. Well, that is a lie, and that is a lie that I am willing to take down with all of you. So come to Pride with us, campaign with us, help us redefine what it means to be proud in a nationalist state of affairs, become a human rights defender, and we can be proud together. Eid Mubarak, everyone. an amazing example of a human rights defender and someone who's taken big personal risks to make changes. There are other people like this around the world and we need to support them. After years of campaigning, the ban on driving for women in Saudi Arabia has finally been lifted. But in a predictably cruel twist, the women in Saudi Arabia who bravely fought for this right, have been arrested and branded terrorists. They are looking at 20 years in jail, even though the law that they asked for has been passed. Now, some of these women have recently been provisionally released because of the works of human rights defenders, because of the work of people at Amnesty, because governments do listen if they know they're being watched, if they know there's pressure. So we are going to ask you to do some human rights defending tonight. Because if you were in that Saudi Arabian prison, my God, you would be hoping someone out there would be caring and someone out there would be trying to help you. So tonight, we are going to have you text your first name plus women to 70505 to put pressure on the Saudi authorities. If you do this, if you text this, you have joined us in writing to the Saudi embassy making your demands. Uh, if you pay for text, this will be charged at your standard network rate, but most people don't pay for text anymore. Who will commit to doing that tonight? It makes a big difference when we use our voices collectively. Sometimes we think, what can I do? What can I do? It's just going to be a drop in the ocean. But look, we've got 1,200 drops tonight, and that starts to look like an ocean. If 1,200 turns into more, turns into more, to more. Who will commit to doing that tonight? But who will actually do it, though? Great. Okay. Because it really is an act that we can collectively do, and we can make a change. Governments do listen. This is Deborah. I'm just dropping in to say that if you have just texted for Saudi women, or you're going to, you probably should know that Amnesty International we'll also call you about ways to support their work, including fundraising. So if you don't want that to happen, just text NO CALL, one word, all caps, to 70505. But don't, they're so friendly and nice when they ring you and it's all going to be about human rights. But if you want to know more, go to amnesty.org.uk forward slash SMS terms, just to make sure that we all know where we stand. Are you on for it? Then please welcome to the stage our next incredible Secret Policeman's Tour Act. Uh, she was the lead in Suffragettan. Uh, she's an immense person. She's actually one of my favourite people in the world. Please put your hands together and make incredible Secret Policeman's Tour noises. From Roxanne! Hello, hello. Hey, Hackney Empire. Happy Pride, everybody. She got Adam on the line, but she won't see if trying to get these thoughts off her mind, but he won't leave. But she won't speak, she stays silent, low and discreet, hoping it's just a face, but these feelings repeat. It's driving her insane, the secret she keeps. But if her family find out, they'll probably throw her on the street. She needs a break, she needs a release. A safe place where she can just be. She needs to explore it, so she's feeling discreet, but she's a real one. And she don't wanna pretend or act like she's attracted to the same as a friend. She don't wanna be in heels in a dressing West End. She writes a text, but she never press send. Goes out in public, hits a dead end. She needs a best friend, cause she feels alone. Speak my mind. Tell me, will it be alright? Yeah. Tell me, can I confide? Confide in 
Studying. He's out late, so he's late for school, he has to hurry And he's got his mum worrying, but still can't see his mum struggling So he's out hustling Got his girl on his line, always bugging him He only sees his friends at the weekend when they go clubbing him Work's overloaded, it's starting to smother him The amount he's juggling is troubling But he don't show it, that's the bug in him He needs someone to talk to or just to cuddle him Mum's on the grind, she ain't got time to mother him He's an only child, there's no one to brother him The hard not life is discovering His mind's going crazy, just bubbling Top of the class, but the roads are in love with him His future's bright, but he can't tame the hud in him If I speak my mind policeman tradition of taking a sketch we all know and love unless we're under 25 in which case we just have to laugh along <laughs> and reinventing it now if this sketch were written today it would be called the oppression olympics but it was written 50 years ago so it wasn't it was about it's pretty much what we can see on twitter four men complaining about who has it the hardest but we thought who's had it even harder than men Women, that's right. So tonight, Amnesty International and the Secret Policeman present to you Sean Clifford, Leslie Manville, Olivia Lovibond, and Juliet Stevenson as the four Yorkshire women. Oh, oh, that's good. Oh, that's nice. yeah. yeah. That was a very passable. Yeah. Glass. Not bad at all. No, there's nothing like a good glass of Chateau de Castellet. Hey, Mrs. Josiah. Oh, you're right there, Mrs. Obadiah. You are dead right. Mm. Who'd have thought 40 years ago we'd be sitting here drinking Chateau de Castellet? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Ah, we'd have been glad of the price of a cup of tea then. Mm -hmm. yeah. A cup of cold tea. Without milk or sugar. Or tea. No. <laughs> yeah. Out of a cracked cup at that. We never had a cup. <laughs> they used to drink out of a rolled up newspaper. The best we could manage was to suck on a piece of damp cloth. But you know, I often think we were happier then. When we were poor. Because we were poor. Mm. I, my old mum used to say to me, she said, money won't buy you happiness, my lass. She were right. I were happier then and I had nothing. We used to live in a tiny, tumble-down old house with great holes in the roof. House? <laughs> well, you were lucky to have a house. We used to live in a toilet backstage at the Acne Empire. <laughs> 26 of us, no furniture, half the floor was missing, we were all huddled in one corner for fear of being cast in the Christmas pantomime of Aladdin. <laughs> 24 shows a week on equity minimum wage. A toilet backstage at the Hackney Empire? You were lucky to have a toilet backstage at the Hackney Empire. We had to live under bed in a labour ward. <laughs> under bed in a labour ward? I used to dream of living under <laughs> bed in a labour ward. That would have been palace to us. We used to live in the men's changing room at Fitness First Gymnasium. <laughs> and every morning we got woke up by having a load of locker room talk dumped on our heads. Labour ward? House? <laughs> well, no, well, no, I, I, when I say house, I mean it were only a hole in ground covered by... <laughs> 
a couple of foot of torn canvas, but it were a house to us. Mm. We were evicted from our hole in the ground. <laughs> we had to go back and live in our mother's womb. <laughs> well, you were lucky to have a womb. <laughs> there were over 150 of us living in an empty box of Tampax in middle of road. Oh. <laughs> Super plus. Aye. You were lucky. <laughs> we lived for three months in the gender pay gap. <laughs> you did. And every morning we'd have to get up at six, clean out the gap, <laughs> eat a crust of stale bread, then we'd have to work 14 hours at mill day in, day out for half the wages the men were getting, and they were on unpaid internships. <laughs> When we come home, the patriarchy would thrash us to sleep with its penis. <laughs> Luxury! <laughs> we used to get up at three, clean the inside of our mother's womb, eat handful of hot gravel, and then we'd work in mill for 20 hours for twopence a month in five-inch heels, then we'd come home and the patriarchy would beat us about the head and neck with a can of Lynx Africa. <laughs> if we were lucky. Paradise, that sounds like. Oh, we had it tough. I used to crawl out of our box of Tampax at midnight, look sexy and innocent while licking to row clean, eat a couple of bits of cold gravel, work 23 hours a day at mill for a penny every four years. <laughs> and when we go home, the patriarch used to slice us in half with a cutting jibe about my thigh gap. <laughs> right. We used to get up in the morning at half past ten at night, <laughs> half an hour before we'd gone to bed, <laughs> eat a lump, of low-carb, sugar-free Weight Watchers own brand poison. <laughs> We've worked 29 hours a day at mill for an eighth a lifetime. Come home, and each night the patriarchy would come round and slit our throats with a shard from the glass ceiling, and then bury us in historical absurdity. Aye. <laughs> But you try and tell that to the young people of today. <laughs> Will they believe you? No. nearly the end of our show now. I think you'll agree it's been a phenomenal night. <laughs> Have you had your money's worth? <laughs> Are you ready to leave here this week to join Amnesty, to follow Amnesty on your socials and get involved in some human rights? <laughs> we re it's so easy to feel you can't make a difference and that the world is getting worse, but in so many ways, the world has got so much more compassionate, so much better connected, and it is not time now to back down from that. It's time now to hold hands, look at each other and say we need to push forward because the far right is rising across Europe. Because of look what's happening in America, look what's happening in the Australian Parliament. We cannot expect Jacinda Ardern to solve the whole problem herself. <laughs> it's got to be us. We are all journalists now. We all edit a newspaper. Who are you amplifying? Who are you talking to? Are you on for building a bridge? Because we are going to need a lot more people. But we're going to have to engage and we're going to have to make people understand and feel what we feel and see what we see. We're going to need to activate apathetic people. Are you on for that? We are going to need to tell stories and go on our socials to storify and make human people who are seen as other, refugees, disabled people, trans people. We are going to have to be the ones responsible for creating stories and human connections. Are you on for that? 
then get involved with Truth to Power Hour, join Amnesty, and please join me in giving a huge, huge, huge welcome and round of applause for our last act of the night who's going to blow the roof off this place. It is the incredible Grace Petrie! Bloody hell, I can't say it better than that. I think that is absolutely amazing. I feel uh, honest, uh, absolutely honoured to be a part of this night. Um, I think it's been absolutely amazing. It is a tall order to be asked to close it. Um, so I was hoping that you're all going to join me in a sing-along. Is that all right, Hackney? Woo! I was hoping so. So um, I think it is a good time to be singing anti-fascist songs, yes? I think it fucking is. I think we need them as much as we ever have. I was asked a few years ago to write an anti-fascist song about the Spanish Civil War, and I didn't know anything about it. I went away and I read about it, and I found out these incredible stories about people who went over voluntarily to fight fascism, even though they weren't threatened by it themselves, and I thought it was amazing, and it taught me so much about solidarity and compassion. And then for my friends and the people that come to my gigs, this song that I wrote, it became about a bit more than that. It became about what we're all trying to do right and I honestly believe that all of us in our heart of hearts what we're trying to do is we're trying to make a better world for our children than the world that we inherited as long as we're trying to do that I firmly believe things are going to be all right right and we're a fucking big team and we're getting bigger all the time so uh, with that in mind uh, I was hoping you were going to sing this one with me it's got a bit in the chorus where I'm going to go like this stand up today and then you're going to go save tomorrow oh fucking hell Oh, that's good, isn't it? Oh, I love it when people have done the reading. Um, yeah, it's just like that. Save tomorrow. Three times in the chorus, like this. Stand up today that we might save tomorrow. Just like that. It's three of those mortals. We'll just keep singing uh, until the government falls. How about that? Thanks very much for coming out. You've been amazing, Chip. You're not my brother nor my country, man. Not my sister or my friend But you're my comrade, be so till the last They shall not pass, they shall not pass Now blood is running through the streets of Spain And London grits in fear Oh smell of gunfire, sound of breaking glass You shall not pass, you shall not pass and why fight the good fight, fight the good fight? Why not let them burn? I dread the day when the suffering of my fellow is none of my concern. So stand up today that we might save tomorrow. Oh, I know there's a way that we might save tomorrow. Yes, it's late in the day, but we might save tomorrow if we try. I will not turn against my brother for his creed or for his colour, nor the one he takes his lover or his class. You that beckon me that way, you shall not pass. And you who speak of ideology, who speak of people like they're pawns. Whose mulches lie neath frosted glass You shall not pass, you shall not pass In the name now of humanity Not left nor right, not black nor white Tear that fascist flag now from its mast It shall not pass, it shall not pass And why fight the good fight, fight the good fight Why not let them burn I dread the day when the suffering of my fellow is none of my concern. So stand up today that we might save tomorrow. Oh, I know there's a way that we might save tomorrow. Yes, it's late in the day, but we might save tomorrow if we try. I'm just, um... I'm just going to uh, break the fourth wall just for a moment um, and just say uh, that absolutely no judgment here at all, none at all. Um, but uh, some of you, uh, I think, are getting uh, less enthusiastic about the sing-along as the song goes on. Uh, 
And that, no, that is fine, that's fine. It's just, it's kind of the opposite of the message of the song. Uh, so, you know, we've got one more chorus. And I, you know, you do you, that's why I I will not turn against my brother for his creed or for his colour, nor the one he takes his lover or his class. You that beckon me that way, you shall not pass. Stand up and speak, it's not a call to arms. Get on your feet, it's not a call to arms. Get on the street, it's not a call to arms. It's a call to to criticism. <laughs> I will not turn against my brother for his creed or for his colour, nor the one he takes his lover or his class. Those that beckon us that way they shall not pass. Thank you very much for joining in. You've been amazing. Cheers. Good night. of the movement and join Amnesty International UK and come on you would please visit amnesty.org.uk forward slash join to join the Rainbow Network or Amnesty's Women's Network check out at Amnesty UK underscore LGBTI and at Amnesty Feminist on Twitter to get involved with Truth to Power Hour which is a secret policeman and guilty feminist Amnesty initiative follow at Amnesty UK and get ready to take action at 3pm every Friday, British time. If you can't be there at 3pm, don't worry. Just check in later and join our Truth to Power whenever you can. It's never the wrong time to speak Truth to Power. And if you would like to donate to help protect human rights around the world, it's amnesty.org.uk forward slash donate. Come on, have one less latte and ship something in for human rights. You never know when you might need them. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.